Bridge Bank helps breakthrough ideas actually break through and remains dedicated to providing financial solutions to the risk takers, the game changers, and the disruptors. Bridge Bank, a division of Western Alliance Bank. Bridge Bank, be bold, venture wisely. Hey there, this is Brittany Luce from NPR's It's Been a Minute. KQED's podcasts like The Bay, Bay Curious, Mind Shift, Right Nowish, and more all tell the stories of the Bay and beyond with reliable, human-centered journalism. They aim to inspire, make you think, entertain, and expand your understanding of the place you call home. Here's how you can support podcasting at KQED. Showing your support is easy, and you can join Brittany in supporting KQED Podcast too at donate.kqed.org slash podcast. That's donate.kqed.org slash podcast. From KQED. Good morning. This is the California Report. I'm April Domboski in San Francisco. With yesterday's FDA committee vote endorsing the use of Pfizer's COVID vaccine in kids under the age of 12, public health officials here are getting ready to distribute the kid-sized doses. And they want to make it easy for kids and their parents. San Francisco's health officer, Dr. Susan Phillips, says public clinics will be redesigned so adults can get boosters or initial doses on one side and kids can get their shots on the other. It's going to be different vials, different color. Uh, It'll all be uh, different than the adults. So we do have to wait for those to to end up uh, with us and at all of our sites. Phillips says clinic staff will work with parents to keep their kids calm while they get the shot. And there will be lots of distractions. Think stickers and bubbles. It's a moment many parents have been waiting for. One of them is Jessica Nicholson, a choral music teacher from Richmond in the East Bay. Her kids are six and seven. I talked with Nicholson about what it will mean for her when her kids are finally vaxxed. I do feel like that's going to change a lot of things at my house Um, as far as how I'm hoping that the the stress level, just the worry um, decreases a lot. So. When the broader population started getting vaccinated against COVID last spring, there was this sort of collective sigh of relief, people talking about life going back to normal. There were all these official state press conferences about the official reopening. But I think a lot of parents of young kids felt pretty left out of that. How did your life, you know, change or not change at this time? I, I felt a little of that relief, but I also had that sort of um, half of me being excited. I teach uh, middle school, so a lot of them had started to become eligible. And so I started to feel more safe and comfortable um, knowing me and my husband were protected and um, some of our family members. But yeah, exactly. I, I didn't feel like, all right, let's start going out to eat and let's, you know, go to amusement parks. And we, we felt still like we had to you know, keep the reins tight because uh, we weren't sure how how things were going to go once things opened up again. Do your kids have any health conditions? Um, my son has mild asthma, um, but, you know, we just we're sort of in the we've been hunkering down this long. We do, we want to avoid COVID um, <laughs> if at all possible. Um, I kind of feel a little like we've tried so hard to avoid it that getting it at this point when we're so close just feels like a huge defeat (laughs) almost. Um, And, you know, I know they might be fine, but, you know, we're concerned about long-term effects. And you hear about kids with asymptomatic COVID that later on develop, you know, inflammatory 
um, issues and um, we're just, we're right on that finish line. So we're hoping, we kind of feel like we'll probably get exposed to it at some point, but we'd rather be vaccinated prior to that happening. <laughs> What's the first thing your your kids want to do once they are fully vaccinated? We planned to go to Disney World um, you know, in a few months and we had planned it a long time ago. So we're, we're, we're holding out. We're, we were praying that the kids would be vaccinated prior and they will be. So that's going to be a big deal. First plane ride and we'll be in Florida, which is, you know, questionable, (laughs) but that's, that's sort of our big thing we're, we're looking forward to. Again, that was Jessica Nicholson, a teacher and mom who lives in the East Bay city of Richmond. She is eagerly awaiting the final approvals of the COVID vaccine for kids five and up. But for parents with kids under five, the wait continues. I spoke with Mara Fallon McKnight. She's a single mom who lives in Humboldt County. Her daughter is two. Those of us in this boat with the young kids, it's like we are on pins and needles, you know, waiting for these approvals. I'm really excited that this approval is pending um, because I do think after this happens, I know the FDA is going to take up this next, um, these next questions of the younger kids. Right now, though, the ongoing isolation is really tough. She says social media kind of helps. You know, a lot of people that are all adults and all vaccinated, like went back to hugging and meeting indoors. And like, I didn't go back to any of that. I did not at that stage did not get any of my life back, really. Thank God for Facebook in some ways, but as I'm sure you know, it's like, you know, Facebook is a blessing and a curse, right? So it's like my whole community can't watch my daughter grow up because we're isolated and we're away from them, but I can post pictures of her so they can see over the last two years that she's growing and changing. That's a beautiful thing. But every time I go on Facebook, all I see is people getting their lives back, right? I see people on planes. I see people in Costa Rica. I see people at birthday parties with kids. She says it feels different for her because she's parenting on her own. If she gets sick, there's no one else to step in. So she needs to stay buckled down. Like the things that people don't understand, like all the things I thought I would have done with my daughter at this point, taking her camping, right? Taking her to a grocery store, taking her clothes shopping to try on shoes, like you know, the simple things and the other things, you know, and I think even the camping thing, it feels safe COVID wise. But as a single mom, unless those people are in my pod, I would have to hold my daughter and take care of her. No one could like just grab her for 20 minutes while I set up my tent. Right. So there's just these limitations. Um, and that list is really long. All those things that I'm not able to do. Um, and I don't think about it too much because it'll drag me down and I get you got to focus on the stuff that's working and the stuff that's beautiful because there is a lot of it. But there are a lot of missed opportunities and that list just keeps growing. California is the first state in the country to announce a vaccine mandate for kids and debate over how to implement it is sure to come. In Los Angeles, the city council is finalizing the details of its vaccine mandate. City employees who don't get vaccinated will get fired. They will also have to undergo regular COVID testing on their own dime. That's the deal under a plan approved by the city council on Tuesday. KPCC's Jackie Fortier reports. 
The plan makes it time-consuming and expensive to refuse the coronavirus shots. Unvaccinated L.A. city workers will have $65 deducted from their paycheck twice a week to cover the cost of testing on their own time. Workers had until last Wednesday to apply for a medical or religious exemption. They'll have to pay for testing unless their exemption is approved. City worker vaccination rates jumped since the mandate was announced in August. Now, 77 percent of the city's 53,000 workers are at least partially vaccinated. L.A. Mayor Eric Garcetti has said city employees who don't receive an exemption and refuse to get the shots should be prepared to lose their jobs in December. For the California Report, I'm Jackie Fortier in Los Angeles. Sign up to The Economist for in-depth curated expert analysis of world events and topics ranging from business and culture to science and technology. You'll get the weekly digital edition, online-only articles, curated newsletters on politics, the markets, science, culture, and China, and full access to The Economist Podcast Plus. The Economist is independent journalism for independent thinking. Go to economist.com and get your first month free. Hey, it's Avery Truffleman, host of Articles of Interest. And I've got to say, I've been a fan of KQED ever since I was a little kid, and I would come out to San Francisco to visit my grandma. It was just what we'd always turn on every time we got in the car, every time we were making dinner and turning on the radio. It was always KQED. And then over the years, I've become a massive fan of KQED podcasts because this is local reporting at its best. These are answers to questions you've always wanted to know, interviews with exciting, unusual voices, necessary journalism, all told with love and care and artistry. And did you know that a majority of KQED's funding actually comes from members? It's just people like you and me supporting the programs they love while also getting access to cool events, behind-the-scenes footage, and so much more. If you want to sign up and be a part of this amazing community, visit donate.kqed.org slash podcasts to become a member today. That's podcasts with an S. Thank you for listening, and thank you for your support. Yesterday, the L.A. City Council also approved the country's largest pilot program for guaranteed basic income. L.A. will give money to 3,000 families in need of assistance. Those who are living in poverty and impacted by the pandemic will receive $1,000 a month for a year. More than a quarter of those families live in South L.A. That's Councilman Current Prices District. The idea of a guaranteed pilot program is one that my office has been following for some time, and it gained momentum as we witness our country examine the racial disparities and social injustices during the COVID pandemic. The city is investing nearly $40 million into the program. Price says he hopes it's replicated at the state and federal levels. Details on how to apply for the program will be released later this morning. The city council in San Diego has approved a plan that would make outdoor dining spaces a permanent fixture. The Spaces as Places program was launched during the pandemic to help restaurants and other businesses use temporary outdoor structures to bring in more customers. San Diego City Councilwoman Marnie Von Wilpert says the program has been one of the few bright spots of the pandemic. The businesses that are really depending on the ingenuity of the city to help them recover, uh, because as we know, the economics effects of this pandemic are not nearly over. One big change for the program, one big change for the program. Starting next year, businesses will have to pay a fee to use the outdoor spaces. Two-year permits will cost between $10 and $30 a square foot. 
And that's the California Report for Wednesday, October 27th. We're a production of KQED Public Radio. I'm April Domboski. Thanks for listening. Support for the California Report comes from Personal Capital, helping people take control of their finances with financial tools and objective advice from a fiduciary advisor. PersonalCapital.com. SF MoMA, presenting the world premiere of Joan Mitchell, a stunning retrospective of over 80 works by the trailblazing painter who made art on her own terms. Learn more at sfmoma.org. And Eric and Wendy Schmidt, whose philanthropy harnesses the power of people and science to create innovative solutions for a healthy environment, just societies, and opportunities for human achievement. Hi, it's Terry Gross, the host of Fresh Air. We bring you in-depth, long-form interviews with actors, directors, musicians, authors, journalists, and more. Listen to our Peabody Award-winning Fresh Air podcast from WHYY and NPR. Hi there, I'm Randa Fattah from Throughline. If you're listening to this podcast, you know that KQED produces exceptional storytelling that keeps you informed, inspired, and entertained. Their podcasts cover issues from your neighborhood to the entire country and everything in between. Support this work today. You can help us continue to bring quality podcasts to your ears. Just head to donate.kqed.org slash podcast. That's donate.kqed.org slash podcast. Hi, I'm Sasha Koka, host of the California Report magazine. Every week, we bring you stories about what connects us in the giant, diverse Golden State. Because what happens in California changes the world. I love this place. We were once seen as, like, the place to be California. The land of milk and honey, that's where you go to Sunshine State, but we just have challenges right now. KQED's California Report magazine. New episodes drop every Friday, wherever you get your podcasts.